I believe that my work is important. My goal is to deliberately, actively, positively touch a billion lives. That's an eighth of the planet. Mm. And, you know, it's engaging like this that I get to do that. It's, you know, your audience is a part of that. And if anything that I say is taken home or taken to the workplace, then I've touched lives I've never seen. And that's, you know, that's, that's part of my mission is just to really one person at a time <laughs> replicated through ripples, uh, create this kind of sense of, I could do that. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I'm very excited to be here today with my friend, Dr. Wayne Purnell, uh, who is the uh, renowned speaker. He's an author. He's a podcast. He's laughing because he just gave me the full readout of all the incredible things he, he does in his career, and I've immediately bumbled the words. Um, oh, good. He is, uh, <laughs> he is my new friend, a guy that... Um, talks a lot about, uh, you know, living your best life. And, and um, that's such a catchphrase. You, you being your authentic self, um, all sorts of cool stuff. Dr. Wayne, Dr. P, that's what we call him. Dr. P in the house. Good to have you. <laughs> well, you know, every day is a good day to have a great day. So here we are, you know, let's, let's smoke some, uh, some bone-in chicken thighs today. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so we are. Let's let's get over to the grill and get it uh, get it on the grill before we get chatting. So uh, today, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, uh, we are doing some bone-in chicken thighs. One of my favorite things to do because they're so easy. I'm gonna glove up here because it just makes life easier. And it protects you from salmonella. That's awesome. We are anti-salmonella on the Slow Smoke Business Show. That's right. Um, you know, usually I go with a. Wait a minute, I might make a game time decision here. Hold on. Peyton, I've got, uh, we've got a production assistant on site. Can you look in that middle drawer? We've got some, some sweet barbecue rub there that's going to go on that. Wayne, we can't do this peppery stuff. Oh. We sent some, so I have some Alabama white sauce, and I sent some to our producer who's in the UK, Alex, who's listening in. And Alex is, um, he has told me that it was spicy. Um, and spicy, when you call it pepper, uh, you know, we call it pepper in the U.S. That's not spicy, right? I don't know. Would you, if something was really peppery, would you call it spicy or would you say, oh, it's peppery? I would call it peppery. Yeah. yeah. Is that paprika? What are you putting on that? So this is, um, hashtag not a sponsor, uh, the Killer Hogs whole, what is it? The barbecue rub. This is like one of my favorite catch-alls. Um, it's a little sweeter than the one I was going to do which was some meat church, which was mostly salt and spice. This one's got a little sugar in it, uh, which I think kind of fits nicely when you put a sweeter barbecue sauce on top of it. I'm going to glaze these while we're cooking them. Definitely. To let some some kind of red barbecue sauce caramelize on them. And then uh, and then we're going to – I'll finish it with white sauce when we're yeah. when we're done. It looks like you're doing it right because you're – you're after the crispy, crispy skin first, and then you're going to glaze it. So that, it looks like you're doing it right. So well, and you got to season both sides. Don't never season one side, right? Of course, got to season both sides. All right, let's get these bad boys on here. That's like life. Let's talk about that. You know, like there's the analogy too. You got to yes. You got to have seasoning in all parts of your life. Season both sides. Yes. You know these are. And here's what's cool. They don't have to be even. Right? No. You just you just enjoy a little seasoning on both sides of your life and yeah. it doesn't have to be even. It's not about it's not about what people think of as as balance. Well, if you had your shit together, you, you would you would season it differently than I just did because you, you're supposed to season the pretty side last. So you see how look how mangled up that looks. Let me season it one more time for the for the gram so it looks good. That's the other thing. You know what? Life is full of do overs too. Life is full of do-overs, but you don't listen. Those those things, the mess-ups, that's what makes life exciting, right? It, it totally is. I'm a big fan of of. It's what gives life its flavor. Well, perfection, right? People are worried about being perfect, and it's like mm. you're already perfect, right? The the flaws are part of what makes you perfect. You know, I call it a, a perfect flaw. If we were all like perfect in some particular image, that would be really boring. We'd all be 
identical. And so, you know, the, <clears throat> the fact that you've got differences from me and that each of your chicken pieces is seasoned <laughs> slightly different. Awesome. That's perfect. It is perfectly flawed and it is perfect. So we have a, a saying here that we prefer progress over perfection, right? right. And, and it's such a, an easier way to sort of frame life. I don't think perfection, well, the way you just framed it was really cool because you say everybody's already perfect and yeah. and that's a great way to look at it. I mean, if you're... It doesn't mean you stop. That's the other thing. You don't stop. It's like, I'm perfect. I'm done. It's like, I'm perfect in progress. So it's it's progress with perfection, I think, you know, that yeah. that you take your perfect flaws with you. Yeah, I mean, perfection is rarely a destination, right? It's usually like a, I mean, you look at some of the people that you would, I mean, nobody's perfect, but if you look at some of the greatest athletes and the greatest, you know, business people and that have done some incredible things in their life, it's usually, there's usually a process behind them that drives them to the greatness. It's not like, a, oh, I got to this destination and then I got off and I was forever that, no, like, you know, it's a, it's a everyday wake up, kind of pay the rent kind of thing that makes you great, you know, and, and, and makes you continue to be great. I am going to say something that usually throws people off a little bit is, you know, I, I live my life happily dissatisfied. Okay. And, and that, right. And that means I'm, I am joyful. I'm joyfully dissatisfied. It means that if I were to pause my life and look around, it's like, I, I have a really good life. I'm good. It's, it's good. But nobody pauses their life. There's more. There's the tomorrow. There's, you know, 20 minutes from now. There's 20 years from now. And so and so knowing that there's more, I want to continue to learn and grow and serve greatly. It's like I have more in me. And so when you talk about the greatest athletes, what people don't realize necessarily is that, no, they're never done. And they're never like like yesterday's championship was yesterday. We got today. And, yeah. and most athletes also, they have, they have coaches, uh, six coaches sometimes, sometimes more, that look at different parts of their life because that's what coaching is, is let me give you a perspective that you can't have. There's no way that you in your life could have the perspective that I have outside of your life. You can't ask a fish what water is like because the fish has no reference of not water you can't ask me about my the entirety of my life because I only know what I'm living. Yeah. And so a coach comes in and goes, oh, pay attention here. So there's always better depending on the, the perspective that you get. Why do you think it is that some of the best coaches were, while they were players, I mean, they were getting deep into sports here, but I think, it, I think it's valid. You see, some of the best coaches were not, were good, were players and maybe good players, but usually not, great players and oftentimes great players struggle to become good coaches um it's an interesting thing i think that that oftentimes people can see things even if they don't have the ability to enact those things right and so uh <laughs> you know we we sit on the sidelines and we go oh that guy sucks or oh that guy's great or look at that play it's because we can we can see it we could see it. And so sometimes just saying, you know, great coaches have the ability to communicate in a way that the other person can, uh, can see it, can hear it, can internalize it, feel it, and then make the shift. And, you know, I used to teach martial arts and sometimes even a quarter inch of a shift in a hip would make all the difference. And I could see it and, and, and talk about it. And the student would need to enact it. And so, yeah, you know, great coaches, great coaches can see the things that are sometimes super subtle. And that's what it's about. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, where you came from. I mean, you're you, you've got books here. You, you've you've twice spoken at TEDx events. Um, you've been at least the last time I checked, it was twice. It may have been more. Um, yep. But you've uh, you've done a lot of great things and a lot of people put a lot of um stock in the things you talk about, how did you get to where you are and, and becoming someone who is an expert, a recognized expert on sort of living at a high level? Yeah, thank you. That's a, it's, it's an amazing journey. When I look back and I, I start talking about it, it almost sounds like I'm talking about somebody else because it's like, <laughs> dang, this guy did all those things. And it's like, Oh, I, I did. Um, 
You know, I started, I knew somehow in the seventh grade, I sort of knew that, and that, that's rare, right? At 12 years old, I knew that I wanted to go into psychology. I didn't know what it was necessarily, but we had a career fair and different people came in, you know, we had, we had physicians and fire people and, and engineers and, you know, and this guy came in and he talked about how he was helping people by helping them talk through the issues in their lives. And I'd always been good with, with people. And it's like, that's a thing. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so psychology became a thing for me and, and truly a career path at 12 years old. I went on obviously in college, I studied psych. I, uh, earned my doctorate in clinical psych and almost, almost immediately after getting my doctorate, I had this guy call me, he was in couples therapy, he and his wife, and this guy called me and he said, uh, hey, I, I just want, I want to thank you for that work you did with me and my wife, that thing you did with me and my wife, just thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You're welcome so much. He goes, but, but really that thing you did. And I'm like, that thing I did. He goes, that thing you did with me and my wife, can you do that thing with, with me and my vice president? And I'm like, I, yeah. okay, so a bunch of things are going through my mind. First of all, it's creepy sounding. What did I do? What was the thing I did? It was communication building. It was expectations. It was mm. how to talk through conflict. It was, it was talking about a unified vision. And I hadn't realized that this guy was the president of a major company in South San Francisco. So when he invited me to come in, part of my mind was like, well, as a psychologist, I'm supposed to keep a frame and they're supposed to come to my office and, and mm. that's the safety and all that stuff and all the rules in my head. And, and my answer was, um, sure, like, sure, <laughs> like squeaky, sure, <laughs> I can come. I, uh, mm. uh, and, and I did. And that was like, boom, that was the ignition for me to actually begin working with companies like Schwab and 3Com and Whole Foods Market and AAA and Simplex Grinnell and Bank of America. I mean, there, it's like I became this, I, I began doing organization development 40 years ago before that was actually a thing. Because before that, there was industrial organizational psychology. How do you get your workers to work better? And, and it's like, no, no, no. How do we create a culture where people feel engaged? How do we create leaders where leaders feel like uh, they actually are leading based on what they believe in? Their values create their vision. Their values and vision combined create the strategy. And I was making these links before anybody else that I knew of because it wasn't a big thing back then. And And how I knew it was working was about the fourth time that I showed up at, at this work site at their office, the, the line staff was out front and they were applauding my arrival. You are here. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, what's up? <laughs> like, I didn't even work with you guys. What's up? And they're like, well, and they point. And they're like, they, and they're pointing to the top floor. They, they're, they're working so much better together. They're talking together and, and they're like, they know where they're headed and and more important, they've told us where they're headed and what they expect of us. And I'm like, wow, really? Like it sounds so obvious, but it's, it was so broken. And so often we miss, like, we believe that just because we know something, either everybody else knows it or somehow we've magically communicated it so that everybody else knows it. And so what I was teaching and continue to do as, as, and you, <laughs> you were curious oh, yeah. as the exponential success coach, right? As the exponential success, yeah, coach, exponential success, right? So what I do is I help people with their communication. I do it through the three V's of, of, uh, values first. What are your values? What are what's your vision and what vitality are you bringing? Because if you show up and you go, it, it's going to be a great day. And thanks, everybody, for being here. <laughs> it's like, um, no, you've got to be the leader. You've got to step in and go, this is what I believe in. This is what I believe in. And, and thank you for being here, for making this a reality. Because it looks like you all believe in where we're headed to. And 
And it's the belief in a vision that creates that strategy. It creates the followership and it creates the enrollment. And that's different than um, do it because I say so. Positional power. Yeah. You know what I like about you is that, you know, when you talk to people that are, um, that's a great way to start a sentence, by the way. You know what I like about you? Um, (laughs) Everything, Jared. I I, I like everything about you, too. That puts people go like, tell me, <laughs> tell me. But I, I, you know, when you talk to somebody who has a, 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 an advanced degree, and I've talked to many, 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 many in my in my career, um, oftentimes you have a, a person that gets so deep into the subject matter that they studied, they they fail on the thing you were just talking about, which is to be engaging, and that you know, there's it's so true that people will oftentimes forget, and I'm going to check the chicken while we're talking, oftentimes forget what you told them, but they'll remember how you made them feel, right? Exactly. And um, your energy that you bring when you're talking is so, um, is just, is just, it's different for somebody that has your education background, I guess would be one nice way to say it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, uh, I made it a point to never show up with a pull up my, backside let's say so like because <laughs> i've met plenty of people with advanced degrees or advanced titles you know i'm the president and ceo it's like well pick one yeah really <laughs> it's like look i i take my work very seriously but i never take myself too seriously and i think that's part of it too is just life's too short to to think you know like oh i'm oh so important my goal i will tell you i I believe that my work is important. My goal is to deliberately, actively, positively touch a billion lives. That's an eighth of the planet. Mm. And, you know, it's engaging like this that I get to do that. It's, you know, your audience is a part of that. And if anything that I say is taken home or taken to the workplace, then I've touched lives I've never seen. And that's, you know, that's that's part of my mission is just to really one person at a time <laughs> replicated through ripples uh, create this kind of sense of I could do that. And, and so I, it's really important that I don't take myself too seriously. Um, partly because the work is so important. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm so important. I can't, uh, you know, I, I can't be bothered with you versus I'm not that important. The work is important. The words are important. You know, what's funny is it's like I, I early in my career. So, you know, when I was just coming out of college and I started kind of getting into entrepreneurship, the the title um, of CEO was so alluring to me. Right. Just to right. be the C, the CEO of, you know, Bumble Co, whatever the heck I was going to try to make. Right. Right. Chief executive officer. Right? Chief executive he is the chief executive and you are his followers. Like I, I feel now that I've been in large or I built an organization that became a large organization um, and saw what a real CEO looks like or whatever. Now that I have some new projects and I'm starting some things up, um, I have, you know, our, our car company that, that we're running a classic car restoration shop and uh, and we have a, a paint distribution business called Tough Dog. I'm not I don't call myself CEO or president of either one of those. Right. Because as I've gotten um, into I mean, I guess in a way I sort of serve as that. And it's just so funny to me because that that title used to be so important. And once I really got around really successful, impactful people and organizations, I realized how meaningless it was for an organization that is super small to have a chief exec. You're just the guy, right? I mean, people, that's outwardly, people know you as, hey, if you have a, a meatpacking plant that you run, you're the meatpacking plant guy and you're the, you run the place. And that's all that really matters, right? It doesn't, the, the titles around that, I think, are, are, are interesting. And I, I'm always, um, like when you scroll, you doom scroll through LinkedIn and you see these dudes fresh out of college that are CEO and founder of Knock Knock Company, you know, and you're like, what, why do you, you being CEO and founder is 0% interesting to anybody 
or anything. What that company stands for, does, and the impact it has or the problem it solves is the only thing that has value. And, and the moment you can switch that off as a person that's trying to build a business or something like that, the moment you can turn that off and say, my success is predicated on the organization's success, why you're here, then that's when you can really be focused on winning rather than being right. So good. Yeah. If, if you cling to title or positional power, uh, it's a dead giveaway about ego, right? It's like, this yeah. is, you only got there because, because the corner office represents a massive ego to you versus the corner office is a great place to expand creativity or whatever, you know, that, that it's like, it allows you to serve more greatly. That for me is the, is the biggest piece. Like, by the way, it's almost time for you to check your chicken. Just keep in Oh, let's check the chicken again. I love it <laughs> when the guest uh, prompts me to check the chicken. Um, ooh, you hear that sizzle? I sizzle, do hear that sizzle. Listen to that. Audio action there. I think we ought to just, we're getting a little crispy there. We got one. Look at this guy over here. I don't know if you can see that on the camera. That thing split open. That's awesome. And so I'm going to baste this thing. Don't worry. We're not going to, this is. This is some barbecue sauce that we're not going to cross-contaminate here. So this is strictly for chicken basting. Um, this barbecue sauce I bought from this sweet lady at a farmer's market here locally. And it's called Willie Fred's Q Sauce. Q-U-E. And she's here locally. I think she did it after her father's recipe. It's the bomb. Shout out Willie Fred. Um... I'm going to try to see if I can find them online and maybe tag them in this. That would be fun. But just a the kind of barbecue sauce that your granddaddy makes, right? Like your dad makes. Like just good old, you know, at least mine did, right? Just good old, just kind of sweet, a little tangy, hard to find something in the store that can match it. But what I love to do on these things, and Wayne, I don't know if you know much about Alabama barbecue, but it's all about poultry turkey or chicken and we do a lot of good stuff here but the, the the thing is turkey or chicken and then you uh you hit it with some mayonnaise base like tangy peppery white sauce and if i'm ever to come out with the first official merch for this show it's probably going to be a bottle of white sauce it feels appropriate because i've spent more time on this show pimping that than anything else that's awesome and i have nothing to sell <laughs> it's so funny um you know it looks like what you're putting on there, the Q sauce looks and I can like, it's morning where I am. So, you know, I'm still drinking my coffee and, and <laughs> such. And, uh, and I'm watching this and my mouth is watering and it's like, it looks like it's, it's a little vinegar based, which would be in balance with the way Alabama barbecue sauce is made, which is mayonnaise, vinegar, that kind of stuff. So, yep. um, yep. interesting. Interesting. I'm so a, a California guy that knows a little bit about Alabama white sauce is my kind of people. So in my world, I, uh, <laughs> I have, I travel, right. I'm a speaker. I'm yeah. a, I'm an elite mind state coach, exponential success coach, uh, author. Oh, I never finished my story by the way. Uh, um, author, oh, speaker, yeah. all that stuff. Um, so yes, in my travels, uh, like barbecue is one of the things. So, there's definitely a difference between um, between Atlanta and Texas and Alabama and like and Tennessee and even Tennessee has uh, two different styles of, of barbecue. So yes, my fave. Mm, so I love it. There you go. What happened after I uh, began doing consulting? I took that to multiple different organizations and um, began working on leadership. And it really did start the speaking career. It really did start the coaching career um, and realizing I could do both, you know, coaching, consulting, um, speaking. That's three things. Um, I became an author. I have five books out there. Number one bestselling author. And, and it's funny because my focus is on how do you get real great clarity, right? And when, you're, when you've got clarity and certainty about something, you need like 51% certainty about something in order to just get over the, the hump of doubt. And it's like, okay, I could believe this 51% and then I can lean into it. It's like, I believe that your chicken is going to come out great. 
And, and then in the back of my head, but what if he burns it, right? <laughs> There's this little doubt. And it's like, you know what? I have more belief in how the chicken's going to come out uh, great than I do in the doubt that it won't. Yeah. Right? So it's like you do that with everything in your life. So I help, I help leaders do that. I help people that are like, well, I'm trying to dream big. It's like you have permission to dream big. You know, the stories that we pick up along the way, you can't, you don't deserve that. We don't have money for that. Um, who do you think you are to ask for that? If you're human, you get to ask for it. Mm. And then you, and then sort of the pathway opens up. You'll start to see ways that you can afford it. Whatever that is, whatever the big dream is, find that way for yourself. It's like dare to, dare to dream, dare to desire first. Ooh, all right, you're you're touching on some stuff here, man. Like I, I so I don't want to I don't want to breeze past what you just said, and I and I, I don't want to keep interrupting your story, but that was so good. Like no, no, this is a this is called a conversation. So yeah, you said if you are human, you deserve. What was it that you said? You deserve to get to want that or something like. What was that you said exactly? You you deserve to desire. Yeah, you were given. Right. So if you if you believe in a greater spirit, you were given desire. Yeah. And that is not the it is only humanity and usually parents or other people in authority that say uh, that come to you out of fear. We can't afford that. You can't ask for that. Mm. Who are you to ask for that? And then suddenly as a child, not suddenly, because we hear it over and over and over again. So as a child, before we have a grand world perspective, we have words. You you can't have that. Who are you to ask for that? We have words. Without a grand world perspective of understanding what our parents are feeling, we internalize the shame of daring to ask for what we want. Well, as adults in control of our lives, we were given that desire. Mm. And if we have that desire, it means that the outcome already exists. And if we go, you know what, I want that for myself, it doesn't matter what it is, it could be, it could be a new couch, it could be a new car, it could be a, 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 a watch or, a, or it could be a, <laughs> a piece of chicken, you know, it's like, I, I, yeah, I just want <laughs> that, right? I just want that. And it's like, so, so living fully into your humanity means that you get to pursue that. And, and we need to get rid of any of the voices that have, that have kind of overshadowed us that talk about, talk to us about, well, you're not worth it. It's, it's so good. Thank you. The, the, because the next piece of that is you're not worth it. And then if you, if you ask again, you will be cut off. We will no longer love you. And now the story is, you're not worth it. You're not lovable. And it is so important to remember, you're here. You are here. Yeah. So of course you're worth it. You are here. So of course you're lovable. And, and if, like, if we can spread that message, that's a leadership message, believe it or not right? Yeah. That's a leadership wow. message. You're here. You've shown up. You're worth it. You're contributing just by being here. You can dare to desire. You get to dare to desire. And you're here. You've shown up. You're lovable. Mm. How powerful is that? So many people need to hear that. I, I can think back to where I came from, you know, I grew up in very blue collar, Pensacola, Florida, great town, my hometown. I'll always, I'll always love that place and love it when I get to go back. It's a, um, but it's not Silicon Valley, right? I mean, there's not yeah. a lot of people around there that have started uh, tech businesses and things. I, there are now, there certainly wasn't 20 something years ago when I was, you know, kind of coming out of college and high school. And so I remember Early on in my career, before I, you know, started becoming an entrepreneur and started trying to do things, and, and being an entrepreneur can be weird because it's like, it almost feels like pretending at first. You don't, you have to kind of be like, okay, we're going to be a company, and I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that, and we're going to be called this, and it sounds like you're pretending with your friends at first, and, before, and then let's eventually play it becomes company. real. As <laughs> right. you, let's play company, and I'll be this, and you be that, <laughs> exactly. you know. 
And and I felt like, but I was embarrassed early in my career to tell people that I wanted to build a business or I wanted to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, my mom used to say, I love my mom, but you know, she, she used to say entrepreneur for a lot of people is a euphemism for unemployed, right? <laughs> and that attitude kind of permeates a lot of society. I think now you've seen more thanks to Shark Tank and, and sort of the lionization of people like Steve Jobs and others. I think you start to realize that, you know, it's it's not some crazy lottery ticket or some way to sort of justify doing crazy stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just saying all that to say what you were saying really resonated because I felt early in my career that I was embarrassed by ambition, right? Because wow. it was like, well, who, who the hell are you to think that you, you are going to be a guy that's going to come out of like every one of us that are sitting here that are all just trying to do the best we can, and you're going to be the guy that does something special. And um, it took, it, I think that was early on one of my worst uh, things I had to overcome was just feeling worthy of telling people this is what I wanted to do. It's interesting, Jared, because when I wrote my first book, you know, it's it's another self-help book. It's another personal development book. And it's like, who am I to bring out stuff like, you know, like that? There's hundreds, thousands of books. You know, choosing your power is, is you know, it's just another book. Um, the difference is it's my voice, mm. right? It's like there's nobody, there's no other me. And it's not like there's no, it's not an ego, you know, there's no other me. It's a simple truth, uh, which goes back to worthiness. It goes back to lovability. There's no other you. As an individual, nobody is you. And therefore, whatever gift you have inside of you, you must bring out. People are like, oh, that's selfish to want to wanna start a business and, and have it all. It's like, no, no, it's selfish not to. How dare you not give your gift to the world, right? It's like, you must, you're here, you're worthy, you're lovable, and you've got a gift that nobody else has. What if one person needed to hear it? What if, what if you changed that person's life and that person, uh, you know, became that person that, that solved, you know, world issues, right? Cancer or, or climate or whatever it's like and what if you're that person and you didn't even know it and you're yeah it's like here's the thing we when we start a business and even into having a business we don't know it all and and i think you know before the internet uh we grew up going wow the those guys that are older they they have it all together and it's like (laughs) (laughs) nope nope we're learning along the way and that's part of the beauty of life is that is that we're still learning it's great it's like you know what just do it i think that's the moment when people start to figure it out right as they realize like oh wait a minute everybody's figuring this out as they go (laughs) Nobody, no, even if, even if they're doing something that they've done it before, they've only done it once before, you know what I mean? Like everybody is figuring this out as they go. And once you sort of realize that, like everybody, the president, the CEO, the president of the United States, your local governor, you know, your, you know, your church leaders, your, everybody's figuring it out as they go. It, It gives you the grace to be wrong. Yes. It gives you the grace to learn as they are clearly doing, and I'm always um, leery of a leader who can never appear wrong in public or will not is not willing to explain how and why they change their mind or show evolution on a particular subject. That's dangerous. When you find a leader, and I've worked with them, um, when you find a leader who puts being right over everything else, like I have to be right, not we have to find the right answer. Yeah. Um, that leads you into really dangerous territory. It, it, is, it can wreck, it wrecks company cultures, it wrecks companies, it wrecks people's lives. Um, and I, th- I think that there's, there's a high importance on giving yourself the ability to openly say, hey, I'm figuring this out too. And I think it's empowering as a leader to show people, I'm figuring this out. I expect you to be trying to get better too. I don't, you know, we used to have a saying, Eastside Partners, the guys that invested in my company had this saying that I, I loved, which was like, just don't make the same mistake twice. Go make new and exciting mistakes, right? Wow. 
Um, and, and it's just this theory of kind of like, hey, eventually we figure this part out and then we go on to figuring the next problem out. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is really gold, you know, it, and that is to give yourself the permission to go out and learn. And will you make mistakes? Sure. You know, I've had plenty of mentors that are like, fail fast. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not going out to fail. I'm not like, that's not my goal. I'm going out to learn. I'm going out to grow. And it's like, oh, you know what? Part of learning and growing means that I'll encounter things that maybe don't work. Yeah. Is that failure? I don't know. Not if I grow from it. Um, and then, and then, you know, the thing about leadership, it's, uh, there are two things I want to say. One is, um, how you respond versus react, that's great leadership, right? You are basically each one of us is a leader because we're being watched. Somebody's watching us, a coworker, a child, a partner, uh, a, an up level, a downline, like somebody's watching us. And so we are all leaders, even if you're in the grocery store and, you know, you open something and it, and it falls or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, how are you going to respond versus react and and it's like it's just a thing right the other the other thing and and this is this is how you know what kind of uh, conversation versus debate you're in if you ask the question under what circumstances might you or might this other person who you're defending be wrong if you ask that question and the answer is, well, they're never wrong, mm. then you're done. Stop talking. Like you, they're, you're done. Yeah. Under what circumstances might they be wrong? Right. And it's, it's like, there are people out there that cannot be wrong. They will never say I was wrong. They will deflect. They'll point to other people. They'll use the argument against them against the other person. And it's like, that's not even close to what we're talking about. Yeah. So under what circumstances might they be wrong? And it, and it, it asks for humility. It asks for self-reflection. That question asks for a, a sense of humanity that sometimes we don't see when people are in the public eye. So um, I think, I think that's important, you know, learning what you talked about learning along the way. Yeah. And we're, we're get a little chicken check while we're chatting here too. Let's see Perfect. how our, our barbecue is doing. Oh, Oh, Look at that. Some of that dried up great. Look at that. That is that is beautiful. Let's hit that with a little bit more. You know, I try... I can smell it from uh, here. This is awesome. You I can, can smell it from it's here. It's made it all the way to California. Um, I try when I do these episodes not to... I've learned that the episodes go better when I when I don't come in to, uh, with a list of questions. Right? I just... I found that... Um, conversations flow naturally when I sort of feed off. Of yeah. them. However, I geek out on the kinds of things that you talk about a lot. And okay. um, I had a question coming in that I wanted to ask you and I forget what it was. It was a speaking engagement and I forget exactly where it was that you said this, but you said something around the effect of living authentically or living, you know, finding out who you are, was living authentically, and I and it just clicked in my head, and I said, I want to ask him what that means to him. When you hear somebody say living, like living authentically who they are, yeah, what does that mean to you? It's it's really interesting. I've had the privilege of being filmed in a documentary that'll be out this year called Big Stages. Yeah, and it it has followed my speaking uh, trajectory. And over the past couple of years, part of what I've learned is to let go of uh, what I thought a good speaker was supposed to be. So I think the, you know, we were taught like 20, 30 years ago, it's like, you must take the stage and you must show command. And it's like, who speaks like that anymore? <laughs> like, that is so, there's, there's no connection there when you have everything so perfect. And it's, and I think that, that being authentic is really about letting go of the supposed tos mm. of showing up in this space of, um, I'm vulnerably, vulnerably human. Um, and that I might misspeak in front of you. 
I might uh, stutter or shake or spit. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, that's all human. Right before this show, by the way, right before, <laughs> right before we went on, my desk was covered in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I set my cup down just that bit wrong. And it was like, oh my gosh, the, the microphone, the keyboard, like everything that, oh, man. that could be, you know, uh, that could affect the control of my being able to be here. And it's like, you know what? That's all part of life. That's just part of life. Um, I... I had an experience and I talk about this in one of my books in, I had an experience in Jamaica, I don't know, 10, 13 years ago. And, you know, here we say it, we say the, the phrase, Hey, no problem. No problem. Um, in Jamaica, it was very, very prevalent. It was no problem. Everything is no problem. So instead of you're welcome or whatever, it's like the answer was always no problem. And at one point I had dropped a knife off of my dinner table and I'm like, Oh, you know, sorry. I, you know, I dropped a knife. Could I get a, could I get a fresh knife? And the waiter was like, no problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wait, I have to ask just because of me being me. I have to ask, how is it that everything that you do or everything here in the culture, it seems like no problem is the, is the response. No problem. And, and he said, it is, it's, it's simple. You fixed a thing. No problem. It's like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh God. okay. <laughs> you fixed the thing. No problem. It's like, I- I'm going to change your knife out for you. That's not a problem. It's all gone. Some Jamaica wisdom. Wow. So, so the whole thing then about like, who are we supposed to be? We just have to be in the space of, I am me there are things i enjoy there are things i don't enjoy i'm taking inventory of what i no longer tolerate and won't actually have in my life anymore i am i am welcoming the things i do enjoy and and inviting those things into my life even more greatly um it goes back to desire and not feeling like the voices in my head have more control over me than my, the voices in my heart mm. And being able to show up, that's authentic. Like, you know, I, I basically, Jared, I have one rule during interviews, and that is you can ask me anything. And that's like, that's the, that's the whole thing is like, human to human, that's authentic. Right? There's no, I'm trying to be Dr. Wayne Purnell for you. And in fact, <laughs> when I first met my wife, um, I was Dr. Wayne Purnell. That was really important. We're back to title. Well, well, you know, she's like, who are you? And I'm like, well, I'm Dr. Wayne Purnell. I'm here to consult for your organization. And she's like, Pfft. and she, she shooed me away. <laughs> and I'm like, what? People like me. I'm Dr. Wayne Purnell. And it's like, and I did, you know, she, she was like, just who are you really? Who are you? And and I think that was maybe the start of, of me finding me. Um, certainly, here's something interesting, by the way. Uh, when my dad passed away a few years ago, and when he passed away, uh, a really strange, and I think this happens for men more than women, um, although I don't have empirical evidence one way or the other, I will tell you that uh, there was a certain freedom that came with the loss and that was wow i don't actually have the implied voice of you should be a certain way i'm no longer trying to show him that i'm good enough i'm no longer trying to show uh anybody and i didn't realize it until after he had passed away that um that voice was really strong like wow you know, inside there was, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Um, and it wasn't until actually he was gone that, uh, that it became a reality. And I think that the sooner that we realize that we really have internalized these voices, the sooner we can say, no, it's true. Like, you don't have to stomp your foot or, or pound your fist. And you're a psychologist, and that, like, slid by you somehow. 
Yeah. All those years. Wow. Amazing, right? And and that's the whole thing. Like Yeah. There's the there there's that internalized I want to be great for, you know, for the people that have judged me as one way or the other and I want to live into the greatness they think they see in me. And it's like I want to be great because the gift I have is to lift others and to serve in a way that lifts others and you know to recognize that um that each of us it, it gets back to that it's like each of us has a gift it's unique just be you everybody else is taken you know it's like just be you yeah <laughs> i like that i mean I, it's so um you know I, i've been through some of this on my own uh over the last couple of years um you know, big changes in my career. Um, we built this company uh, into what it was, and we brought on a new capital partner in 2020. Great, great folks, and they're doing great things with the business. I'm still involved and sitting on the board, but I eventually retired out of the business that I'd spent my entire adult life building, right, and put literally everything I had into it. And the justification that I told myself always was, um, I'm doing this for a purpose. I had a because. I don't. I don't like to say why. I, I always think that the word because is very powerful because whatever, pre, whatever follows that word is what you're given power to, right? And so I always had this like because I needed to be successful because I was trying to solve a problem for that industry and and you know the industry was trying to keep people from cheating on tests and actually really holding up the validity of education. But bigger than that, I, I felt this. Um, this divine calling to do something great to provide for other people. And that was to provide for the people that we created jobs for. That was to provide for the people that I got to work with and, and, uh, and be around also to provide for, um, my family and, and every, um, you know, I, I heard it said every person that is successful or every family that is well off or has has their stuff together was at one point not well off right until the one came along and i wanted to be the one right and and i you know i came from a couple of generations removed from from just poverty right and um i wanted to be the one and so after i kind of got there what i felt a lot of uh i guess i should get on the couch by the way if I'm if I'm talking to the <laughs> talking to Dr. P here, Let's right? Begin with your mother and your father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, the point was that lead up was to I got to a place where once I I put my entire life on getting to a certain level and achieving this mission with with what I was doing as an entrepreneur, and I got there by the grace of God and super tons of hard work and great people around me and some luck, right? Yeah. And I spent I've spent the last couple of years trying to figure out, you know, now what? Right? Um now you're in my you, sweet spot. When you get there, you caught the you you're the dog that caught the car, you know? And yeah. um what do you do? And you know, this podcast is an outgrowth of that soul searching. Oh, pick me. I have an answer. Pick me. <laughs> well, I'll I'll say before I before I say and view Dr. P. But I, I, this podcast was an outgrowth of that soul searching because I, I wanted to tell some of my story and I wanted to talk to really smart people and just try to be something just because I wanted to, right? Because I thought it was a cool thing and fun to do rather than I, everything I has to do has to be in service of this broader mission. Well, you know, you showing up fully authentic, right, is in service to the mission. Mm. Because if you had backed away and gone, well, you know, I'll just keep it going. It's fine. I, I made a deal that I would, you know, employ a certain number of people. It would have it would have killed you. It would have it would have killed you. And you being in service to yourself, following your desire, creating a podcast like this, you are touching so many more lives, right? So. Here's the thing. I'm going to uh, shameless plug, uh, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, the book called Dynamic Transitions. Oh. Dynamic Transitions 
is exactly what you're talking about. When I am in a room and I'll ask, you know, how many of you are in a in any kind of transition right now, whether it's in a relationship, in your job, spiritually, even um, financially, um, a, you know, career move or even a move of location? Like how many of you are in some kind of transition in your family? Like you've got people growing up, uh, moving, you know, moving from one school to another or moving out. How many of you are in some kind of transition? It's 100% of the audience. We're all in transition. We're all in transition. You are not the same person you were when you were 20 years old. That's a good thing, right? That's like, yeah, right? Yeah. You're not the same person you were uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, two weeks ago. And if you think about it, you're not the same person you were yesterday so the question is how come we spend more time planning our vacation down to the most minute detail than we spend in planning who we are to become in the next two to five years yeah it's tricky (laughs) it is tricky yeah this goes back to what what do you treasure that's i never where you say don't ask why uh the because answer is a really powerful one i i never say what do you really want i ask what would you treasure what would you like if you were to plant a garden what would you go out and pick the weeds for and make sure the the soil was just right and it was getting watered what would you want in your life a good relationship a good you know stable financial uh, foundation, uh, great car, great house, uh, travel, like what would you want in your life? What would you treasure in your life? Good family, all that stuff. That's really important. In our life journey, we have what are called uh, core values, those the values that we take with us. Um, you know, love, integrity, family, spirit, all those we take with us. And we have peripheral values. And those are values that cling and fall away and cling and fall away. If you've ever like dragged a magnet through iron filings. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you see these iron filings get attracted to the magnet. And as you drag it through, some fall away and new ones attach. That's sort of like um, your values. The core ones stick really tight. And the others attract and fall away. Like, Like in our 20s. It's a, what we value is, um, look at me, I'm potent, I'm powerful, I'm, I am somebody to be seen. Um, in our 30s, it's like, hey, how do I get stability in my life? <laughs> right. In our 40s, right? In our 40s, it's about how do I build legacy? In our 50s and 60s, it's about, well, what about health and adventure like i've earned adventure now and oh yeah legacy for now my extended family my not just my kids but my grandkids or you know my nieces and nephews and and even the community so right in your 50s 60s and beyond you're starting to look at what legacy have you built so um uh, and health and adventure like i want to travel and i want to feel good doing it so the core values, love, integrity, family, those things, they stick with you. What you choose to attach to is actually a choice. And so now, right now, you get to plant the tree that sprouts tomorrow. And, and it's like, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And, you know, you were deliberate, Jared. You said, you know, I had the right people around me. I created this, this structure of an organization. That's a deliberate act. It's like, you know, I didn't accidentally write five books. Oops, I wrote a book. It's like, I didn't accidentally do that. That's, <laughs> it's like, it's on purpose, right? Yeah. So the, the clarity and, and the certainty that came from, I'm going to write these books that will make an impact. Well, what are you going to do and who does that make you? And I approach it slightly from differently from the, who do you want to be? And then what do you need to do to, to become that person? And don't wait five years to become that person, become that person now. So that in five years, you are that person, which goes back to, by the way, desire, Yeah. right? What do you, what do you truly desire? 
Because if you desire it, it is going to affect who you become. I feel like I owe you a copay at this point, right? I mean, this is like, <laughs> let me get, let me check the chicken, but I gotta, I better go sell this chicken. I gotta make a copay payment here. Um, dang, baby, this is what I'm talking about. Mm. A little sizzle. You see that, Doctor P? It's so beautiful. It's so so beautiful. It's awesome. All right, Doctor P. Good looking thighs there, Jared. There you went with the same joke I was gonna say. No one has ever said anything positive about my thighs until this moment. And that's right. Oh, oh that one's <laughs> juicy and delicious. Come on, man! Wow, okay, just drop amazing! That one. Wow, that one, dang! I don't. Do you see that one get away from me? But that didn't drop anywhere besides the tray. No, awesome. but my dog is sitting underneath my feet rooting for me to fail on this handoff here and <laughs> tough tough uh, tough life there all right let's hit it with some just so you can see on the camera what i talk about when i say let's hit it with the white sauce see how runny that is it just mm -hmm. you try to hit it with just a little bit yeah and they're ready to eat so dr p um this has been such a cool uh conversation where can people find you if they'd like to find out about your books talk about uh having you do some consulting for them where can they find you that's great yeah i do speaking all over the world um and the best way of reaching me is at waynepurnell.com as long as you spell it right you'll find it w-a-y-n-e is my first name purnell p-e-r-n-e-l-l -L, and i'm I'm punching the letter E because it's not Parnell or Purnell. <laughs> P-E-R-N-E-L-L, WaynePurnell.com. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a free masterclass, by the way. I do, Ooh. I talk about desire to destination. How do you dare to desire? How do you declare that? Um, how do you step into fully owning it? And, um, and, and then how do you get there? Like you said that this is what you want and... How do you get there? So uh, please go go to waynepurnell.com. Um, you'll see the sign up. It's right there. It's free. Uh, it's like a 40 minute. You've listened to this for an hour. Um, my masterclass, like 43 minutes, something like that. And you'll be given all kinds of stuff. So um, yeah, please reach out to me. If you love this, awesome stuff. let Jared know. If you love this, you know, find me and, and reach out to me as well. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes too uh, so you guys can find it. Uh, and let me try the chicken, by the way. Let's see how we turned out. By the way, can I brag real quick? Yes. One of my TEDx's, you, talk, you said that I had two TEDx's, and that's true. Mm -hmm. One of them has reached almost 2 million views at this point. Super Whoa. Proud. Yeah, super proud of it. So uh, That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, well, What was the subject on? Well, Which one was it? It's a fancy title. It's uh, how a parallax perspective can disrupt perceptual bias, which is a really fancy way of saying, you know what, if you approach a situation and you recognize that you don't know everything about the situation or the other person or even your own blind spots, if you come in with the question of, I wonder what, what more there is, uh, you will interrupt any kind of prejudice or, or perceptual bias that you have coming into that situation. So you know how we judge people so fast and we judge situations and sometimes we judge ourselves. It's like, got to shift it. And, and, and basically I'm. Well, I'd like to thank you publicly for, for dumbing down the conversation to talk to good old <laughs> me today. Cause that was really, that sounded really smart and academic and you dumbed I, it down for me today, baby. And I appreciate it. It's not dumbing it down. You know, the whole idea is, can we communicate? It's awesome. It's like, this is, <laughs> It's it's got a fancy title. It's uh, but it's it's real talk during the talk, and and you know the idea is if you can make one assumption, yeah, uh, you know I'm not a big fan of assumptions except for one, and that is I don't know it all. What am I missing? There must be more. <laughs> right? That's right. Assume that, and then you're going to continue to grow and learn and engage with people that aren't you, and it's it's so good. That's how we. That's how we build and lift. So, Jared, this has been awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. has been awesome. Dr. P, thank you so much for being here. Guys, check out his website. 
uh, and learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on social media. We're on TikTok. We're not doing dances there, but we do talk uh, and have show clips. And we're doing Instagram. We've, we're also on Facebook, YouTube. And like and subscribe to this show if you find it. If you found anything in this episode valuable, please tell a friend, too. We thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the Slow Smoke Business Show. <laughs>